Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are a version of my journals out loud. And I'm coming to you on this chilly morning, which I think mine is between 25 and 30 here at quarter to 6 a.m. I have no idea how cold you are, but I'm pretty sure most of you are colder than me. So we're going to take a deep breath. Remember, the most important part is through the nose and getting out that lower lobe air. Settle ourselves in for a bit because we are activating our parasympathetic nervous system. And we're asking the question, as you saw in the title, if stress kills or harms or hurts or makes us sick, is the nervous system the way to heal? And I'm bringing that up because I listened to a fascinating long interview. I'm going to try and post the short video clips from uh, Greg Reese, but I'm on the phone and so that's always a hit or miss process. Uh, but it's a guy who's been, st who's, you know, one of those analytical, statistical people that isn't emotional about his data. Uh, and while he sort of was talking about, you know, 17 million people have died, not from the virus, but in our quote unquote response to it, he shifted into this conversation about psychological stress, dominance hierarchy, and the real killer of what causes us to want to die. And I say want to die because in so many ways, it's the second part, if I remember to get this right in the title, uh, is really taking an honest conversation with ourselves about our will to live, which to me is very different than a suicidal ideation of I want to die. Uh, and that's a separate conversation. So I'm going to sort of combine those two here and try to keep it relatively short because huh, I really want you to have this as a moment to think. You know, I've been talking about the nervous system for two years plus now, uh, before also in my primal human training program, because it's not the only thing that matters in our body, but it's sometimes easier if we just take something to focus on, if we develop a language uh, and start to implement processes that respond to that particular part of our healing process as a first step or a second step, or a third step. And, you know, we're in a world where everybody's telling you what you should do, you should breathe, you should move, you should eat, you should do this, you should do that. And that is stressful. And so I came up with this aha moment you know, many years ago that we don't really have to do anything because our body is designed to heal from anything. It isn't the reality of what's going on with us physically that's the problem. It's the psychology and the emotional response that creates the triggering event of our stress response that degrades our overall health. But it isn't just that. You know, my very, very first little book I wrote a million years ago was uh, Don't Worry, you know, because stress was named as the number one killer. So, oh, uh, worrying isn't enough. So we really can't just say, don't worry and you won't be stressed and so for, therefore you'll be healthy because we have stressors at every turn and it's an immovable object. Stress is part of our life. We don't survive. If we don't have stress, we have to have pressure. We have to have push on us to not die. Otherwise, 
we wouldn't live. We wouldn't feed ourselves. We wouldn't, our muscles wouldn't get stronger. Our bones wouldn't get firm. I mean, we just couldn't function as a human in this earth under gravity without stress. So stress is not evil. You've heard me speak extensively about the immune response and stress. 30 minutes of stress, your immune system peaks. The next 30 minutes goes to baseline and everything after 60 minutes of stress perceived, it doesn't have to be real, you are into the negative. You're having long-term deficits in your physiology, your mentality, your emotionality, all these things, and that's creating weakness, which is when the invasion of illness can start to take over. And that's really what he's talking about. You know, people aren't dying because they're sick. They're dying because they can't fight off, push against what's coming into their bodies because they're depressed. And I don't mean psychologically depressed, even though that's a component, is they don't have the energy reserves. They don't have the capacity to push against. Uh, and that becomes our pause. We withdraw. We, we lose our will. Or we run away. We disassociate. We distract. We find other things to think about because it's overwhelming. Just like you may have tuned out at this point because I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And I'm reminding you the same way I'm reminding myself, because the real catch to all of this, at least for me, 80 million years into this process, is it's really hard to stay focused on what's valuable and not get distracted in all the minutia. And, you know, at a personal level, I have reduced everything as this core issue is energy. If I don't have enough energy, I can't get enough stuff done. I can't get to the extra stuff about exercise. You know, if I don't have enough energy to get work done, you know, I can't make money. Uh, if I don't have enough energy, I don't sleep well and I don't recover and it becomes this cycle. And stress disrupts the flow of energy. And stress is most specifically related to the nervous system. And the nervous system is many things, as we've talked about. It's not just the autonomic nervous system of, of sympathetic and parasympathetic, you know, running up and down your spine into your legs and weaving all around your body. You know, your gut has a nervous system. Now we're talking about your heart having a nervous system. But for stress in this moment, I'm talking to you about just good old-fashioned fight, flight, freeze in the face of unwanted or danger, or perceived, it doesn't have to be real, pressure, and the relentlessness of what's happening in this moment in time. And when he was speaking to the, the idea, microphone adjustment, sorry, uh, of dominance hierarchy, I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I've been thinking about, because I've been having a separate conversation in my head about uh, I don't like hierarchy. Most women don't like hierarchy. Children do not function under too much pressure within a hierarchy. And every archy, patriarchy, oligarchy, monarchy, matriarchy, any archy social system, social hierarchy is functions under pressure pushing down against the lowest denominator. And the competition is to move up the ranks. And men thrive under that 
everybody else fails. And what we're seeing right now is the traditional hierarchy that men have always participated in is starting to break down and you're seeing everybody fall apart. And we're having a massive moment where everything is being pulled out from underneath us. So it's one thing to be in a system and you understand the rules and you have normal everyday stressors. Now, every system that we thought we understood is being pulled out from all of us. It's not just one tiny group, it's everybody. And you know, one of the key points that he talks about in this idea of social hierarchy is that the greatest form of stress within that system is unpredictability. And so people who understand this at the top the the ruling class, I will not call them elite, but the ruling class, the people who have self-appointed or whatever they are, uh, if they understand this, they create stressors that are unpredictable that we can't manage to keep us constantly unbalanced, constantly unable to put our feet underneath of us. And I put that picture back up. That's an AI uh, art programs. Remember, that's my serial killer picture. Because as I have not spoken about recently, but it's still very much true, we are all locked in the basement with a serial killer. And what does a serial killer really do? It is the ultimate dominance hierarchy because he or she is exerting absolute control and the quote unquote victim has zero control. And real life, you know, is somewhere in between. But as children, we have no control. I remember thinking, you know, I don't have any authority. I don't have any responsibility. I mean, to be responsible for making change because I have to just sit and put up with whatever's going on at home until I grow up and I can get out of the system, which is really stressful if you are a child in an abusive or an uncomfortable situation. If you're in a marriage and you live in a culture that does not allow divorce, you have an entire life within a system that you can never recover from. And so we're learning so many things about ourselves right now. It's again, it's overwhelming. And so the reason I wanted to talk about this in relationship to stress that's really the psychology and the emotional response to it that is creating the devastation of our nervous system, which suppresses our immune system, which really allows for disease to come in. And that's really the resilience. And And I've had this conversation in my head for a while because it's been a personal thing. You know, what is the difference between the will to live and actively wanting to die? And, you know, in all my years that I spent you know, working with people who came into a crisis situation because they'd either tried to take their life or they were thinking about taking their life. I tell you, you know, 99% of the time I would ask one question, do you really want to die or do you just not know what to do? And almost exclusively it was, I just don't know what to do. There was some kind of problem or issue or stress that was unresolvable and you couldn't see a way out. And the psychological impact of that is devastating. Now, in a perfect world, 
we have community or we have family or we have time or we have resources and we can sit with whatever that unmovable object sitting on top of us is and find a way to get out from underneath it. But in this moment in time, we're all under the object or we're all locked in the basement and none of us are getting out. And how do you recover from that? How do you make peace with that? That's the nervous system. You fight against it, you run away from it, or you freeze up in the face of it. We decide to just react and respond to events because we don't have any control over what's happening. And the essence of quote unquote stress management was always the statement that you can't control what's going on. You can only make the decision how you want to respond to it. But here's the catch, which is why I stopped talking about that as a real thing a long time ago, is that if you live in a constant state of only responding, that becomes very depressing and you do lose your will because there's no life for you. It's always you in response to. There's there's that feeling like you're always behind the baseline. And that's how I describe it. Like I can never get in front of the baseline. I'm constantly fighting to get up to zero, you know, in a day today thing, the way that looks like in my life, and you can think about how does that look in your life, is the daily stressors of food, dishes, dogs, uh, cleaning, uh, you know, walking, you know, personal maintenance, all those things, that takes up all my energy. And then anything above that, which is working, creating, just enjoying, you know, not having the stress of doing things I don't want to do. I never can get to that part, at least in a way where I'm not feeling guilty about all the things that I can't get done. And the less energy I have, you know, the less stuff I can get done. And like so many of us, the older we get, the more maintenance stuff there is to do to just get to baseline and the less energy we have to do it. And it's really easy to just get overwhelmed. And that's that tiny, tiny, tiny loss of the will to live. What's the point? And that is how dominance hierarchy wins. You can never get past that baseline that's being set for you to respond to that you have no control over. You know, one of the reasons I have explored 8 million different ways to live in the world. How much can I remove systems that I'm being forced to respond to? Property taxes, permits, regulations, rules, uh, lines in the sand, do this, do that. Now, you know, you're not allowed to gather water on your property. You can't have a gas stove. It's this insane, which is the key. It's insanity requests, which are the instability to constantly keep you responding to things that don't make sense because that that always is overwhelming. It's depressing your immune system because you're in a constant state of aggravation, responding to stressors that you don't even want to be a part of, right? Like 
I don't want to think about this stuff. I don't want to worry about this stuff. I don't even want to know about this stuff because all of it, 99.9% of it are things I can't control. But if I don't know enough, I can't respond. And that's a separate stress. That's, I've asked that question. Is it good to prepare for an unknown event or is it better just to sit around and wait for the you know tree to fall on your house? You know, do we prepare for this extreme cold or do we just deal with the fact that we're unprepared at that moment and just get through in any way, shape or form? Or do we start knocking on other people's doors saying, can you help me? Because I didn't have a plan. So there's no perfect way through any of this. All we can do, and the reason I'm sharing this because it's kind of depressing, is understanding it, that we are in a moment of massive instability that is specifically designed to destroy our stress response by overwhelming it, regardless of which version you have, fight, flight, or freeze. Because when it's too much, you're shutting down and you can't look anymore. And that's what we're seeing. Like people are just going crazy or they're just disassociating or they're getting lost. Uh, yesterday we had a, I guess I'm going to end up talking longer. So that was the most important part. So yesterday uh, we had a wind event and it was cold. And so we spent most of the day inside. The dogs did really well. I was so proud of them. But I took a, a video binge break and uh, watched uh, the series. I just love this series, The Witcher. Somebody gave me a add-on for Netflix. And so I was able to download at the library who has kick-ass speed, which I love. So I watched the, I spent the whole day watching the, the series, The Witcher. And I was inside, you know, we would go out and do our potty breaks and our walking around. Uh, and then we come back inside. And at the end of the day, on our last potty break outside before uh, we close up shop for the night, I was so disoriented. I just was like, this, I feel weird. I feel out of sorts. I don't know where I am. I felt vulnerable because I hadn't been paying attention to what's going on outside. Uh, I was in a really altered state. And I thought, you know, this is what people must feel like that stay inside all the time. Because as you've heard me talk about, you know, I'm outside all the time when I can be. And, uh, you know, even when I'm inside, I'm not. Uh, usually watching all day. Everyone, you know, I do that like once a year on a stormy day or weekend. I watch videos, and uh, it was really weird. And I thought, wow, I feel really disoriented, which is, I think, how so many people feel. You know, I, I talk about these ideas about, you know, sunlight and the eyes on the horizon and feet on the ground and breathing and looking around in the distance. And, you know, I spend so much of my time outside that I always feel like I have an awareness of what's going on. It's very, any place I've ever lived, it was very rare that anybody got to me where I was on my property, you know, boundary system without my knowing that they were on the property. I mean, I just had really impeccable timing. Uh, I'd open the door and there'd be somebody at the gate, you know, a, a half mile away. And so I had this, I have this kind of internal safety system where I can pretty much trust that between 
being aware, you know, I kind of know what's going on. And th- and yesterday it reminded me how disorienting it is when we withdraw. And I, you know, I withdrew because it was cold and windy and I've been waiting a long time to watch this season three and I was all excited and I enjoyed it. And I allow myself, you know, the day to disassociate because there wasn't, you know, much I could do anyway. So, but it's, but that's what happens in the basement. We can't deal with the serial killer outside, so we just go into our room in the basement, close the door, and check out. And that's okay to do every once in a while. You know, we need those times out, that time out. But when we're doing it all the time, we become incapable of dealing with real stress. And when we don't know how to deal with real stress... We become overwhelmed and we shut down in whatever version of fight, flight, freeze that we choose to utilize to to capture some degree of safety. And that's what's happening. You know, that's the lockdown. Go inside, close the door, just watch TV and listen to the Internet and we'll tell you everything you need to know. I didn't have to do that. I lived out in the country where you couldn't tell there was a pandemic and people just carried on business as usual. And people who were in concentrated areas had a very, very different experience and a very, very real form of stress of feeling locked in the basement with the serial killer. The bug was the serial killer, right? You couldn't see it, but you knew it was there. And we were terrified of something that we didn't understand. And that's the essence of disruption, that uncertainty, that fear, that instability, the inability to even respond in a way that is productive. There's nothing you can do. You can wear a mask, but it doesn't work. You can take a vaccine, but it's not going to help. I mean, it was just the mass psychological psyop that now we're understanding was done. And then there's nothing we can even do about that because there's no accountability. There's only the promise that, hey, guess what? It's going to happen again. So I just want you to take a moment. I wanted to share that because for me, I don't know about you. You know, when I understand something, I know I at least have the choice to change it. I can't, you know, that's the essence of stress response, right? We can't change everything out in the world. Uh, I can't, at this moment, I can't change how much energy I have in the ability to respond to it. And the real question, I think, you know, at the core of all of this is can we maintain our will to live. Because without that, you know, the body knows. And that's the ultimate, you know, pushing you, the la- the straw that breaks the camel's back. When you lose the will to live because you're so overwhelmed, you give up. That's the thing, you know, with your depressed immune system. That's the one thing that puts you over the top and makes you so much more vulnerable to whatever it is that's going to take you out, disease, accident, heart attack, any of these things. 
because they're all working together. And so when I ask the simple question, you know, is if stress is killing us, is can the nervous system save us? Not in its totality. It's not like the one thing you can do, breathe and you're fine and you won't die. But it's the most manageable thing because it's simple. Fight, flight, freeze, right? Push, pull, pause. So when I hear all this stuff, I recognize that it's pu- it's information being pushed on me that I need to know, but I don't need to know it every day, all day. And then what I've been doing, and I'll just offer this as a practice, is that I'm just stopping attaching the what. So the serial killer is walking towards me. But if I can just erase the serial killer and the knives and the hatchets and all those things and just reduce it to energy pushing on me that I don't want, I can change my mind about I don't want to feel that push anymore. In the same way, I can freeze up The serial killer is in the other room doing its thing with somebody else. I am frozen with fear. I can recognize I'm freezing up. I'm not functioning. And that's that nothing's moving. And I can decide I don't want to feel that way. I don't have to solve the problem. I just have to take one step in the other direction. Same thing with running away. If I'm pulling, if I'm running away... I don't have to know why. I don't have to psychoanalyze it. I don't have to have, you know, long discussions about it. I can just feel that I'm moving away from something I don't want. And I can stop for a moment and decide if I want to do something different. And that's really all we can do within this massive moment of instability, uncertainty, and We don't even have to know what's happening to us. All we have to do is manage the energy around it. And it's that lack of feeling like we have any input to any of this that really creates that loss of will, that helplessness. And, you know, the nervous system isn't autonomic. It's happening as a response. But the intentional part has to come from our thinking and feeling perspective. We can do physical things, like we can ground, we can breathe, we can exercise. But the real trick to all of this, the real magic, you know, that's what The Witcher is. It's a world of magic. The real magic is there is no magic. It's just F you, I'm a serial killer and I want to kill you. I mean, that's what's happening. Got a bunch of crazy people running the world that want to kill us. And, you know, understanding that is devastating. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're in the basement with the serial killer. So we have to make a decision. We can just be passive. We can just let them kill us. Uh, We can fight, we can run away, uh, we can disassociate, we can do all kinds of things. The one thing we can't do is make it not real. And that's why stress kills, because 
when you focus on trying to control everything you can't control, which is the serenity prayer, you will constantly be in a state of frustration. And that constant state of frustration will turn into depression. And that depression turns into feeling suicidal. It's that loss of will. But before we become actively suicidal or we become actively sick, there's that tiny, sorry, the dogs are activating. Uh, there's that tiny shift where we are just overwhelmed and we lose that will to live. We may never even get to the point where we actively want to die, but the body recognizes it. And so, you know, for today, if you're still here with me in this process, we can just acknowledge that it's hard and it's scary, uh, that we're all doing the best we can. Some days we need to check out and have a movie marathon, and other days, all we can get done are the basics, but through all of that, we don't have to know all the details. We just have to recognize there's something pushing at me and I don't want to have that push. I don't want to have that anxiety. So instead of trying to find a drug that will make it stop, we can find a way to just say, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't have to take in that extra pressure. And you really do have that much power. And nobody tells you that because we think, oh, we have to solve all these big problems out in the world before we can be okay. It's never going to happen. And it's never going to get better in our lifetimes. We got a long way to go before there's any light at the end of this tunnel, which makes it extremely difficult to talk about this idea of holding on to your will to live. And I used to tell my people that I would talk to, it's okay to have these thoughts. The only time it really matters is if you decide to take action. But I think, you know, I would never say that in a crisis, but in a non-crisis place, it is important to look at our thoughts because these thoughts are triggering chemicals and setting off processes within our body that are depressing our immune system, which make us vulnerable which is the whole goal of this entire game. Not to kill the serial killer and go back to business as usual, but to understand who we are in response to the serial killer. Because until we do that, we'll never get out of the basement. We'll never get past baseline. We'll never be away from the serial killer because we're always locked up in the basement and we're never getting out until we learn to manage our physiological processes inside the basement. Now we're in a hyper training mode because this is like the ultimate short of, you know, the tidal wave coming at us. But for now, this is happening. This is where we are. We can understand what's happening when we look at, you know, dominance hierarchy, I think is an excellent way to understand all this. We don't have to know in this moment what system we would like that's better. Uh, that's part of this game is getting past the baseline and imagining yourself into a future that you do want. But for this moment with you here listening, the question that we're asking ourselves is, if my stress response is killing me, can my nervous system rescue me? 
And in many ways, yes, it can, but only if we're holding on to our will to live. And that's our spiritual part. The will is of God. A will is of heart. The will is of the spirit. And that's a tiny question that everybody has to ask at some point in their life or lifetimes. Do we really want to hold on to the will to live? Because that's what's being taken from us. Beating us down so that we lose our will. All right. So that was a great big heavy but important moment in in terms of thinking about all of this. You know, it's not simple enough to just breathe and, you know, I'm done for the day. So uh, I am going to try and get these links up within the podcast. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I tried to put in something and it didn't work. So uh, best of luck here. But the point being is whether you want to look up all this stuff or not, it's very simple. It's the manipulation of our nervous system by stress that is killing us in so many ways. And that was what was so fascinating about this guy. Uh, So with that deep breath, my friends, uh, we're very excited. We're not going to have wind today. I hope you all are doing okay. I know we've got some serious cold here and coming, uh, but we can persevere, right? Remember, cold is good for you. (laughs) With that, my friends, I will see you next time.